everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I am thrilled to bring you today's guest, Stephen Kessler. Any of you that are in Elementum Coaching Institute or have done the Inner Child Workshop, and P.S., we're going to be teaching another live Inner Child Level 1 probably in October, because a lot of you are asking us for that, so stay tuned. Anyway, any of you who've been in either one of those programs have heard me teach the five personality patterns, and you've probably heard me talk about them on the show if you're an avid listener, about the leaving pattern, the enduring pattern, and... I have wanted to get the author of this book, The Five Personality Patterns, Stephen Kessler, on the show for a while now, and we reached out to them. He graciously agreed, and it was so awesome to sit down and have this conversation with him about the five personality patterns, which you will learn all about in our dialogue here. Stephen is just one of those people that is a true helper just truly of service. You can tell he loves what he does. He's so embodied in the work and he has such a safe, warming presence about him. He's been a psychotherapist in San Francisco for about 30 years, teaching both locally and internationally. He's a certified EFT, emotional freedom technique expert and trainer, and is a best-selling author of The Five Personality Patterns, a simple, clear, true-to-life map of personality that gives you the key to understanding people, including yourself, and communicating with them more effectively, including yourself. You can learn more information about The Five Personality Patterns and connect with Stephen at the5personalitypatterns.com. Stephen loves teaching and helping people grow. He also included his email address that will be linked in the show notes as well if you want to reach out to him individually as he still does sessions with people if you're looking for some support. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Organifi. And you may have heard me talk about Organifi before, but you haven't heard me talk about this, which is their newest special that they have going right now. Have you tried their product, Glow? So Glow is an amazing, refreshing blend that supports your body's innate collagen production and promotes brighter, more radiant skin, boosts hydration, and nourishes your skin with 13 clinically studied superfoods. It provides five times the moisture of hyaluronic acid. It nourishes your skin from the inside out. And here's the deal from July 15th to July 22nd. If you buy two glows, you get a free water bottle. Plus your always exclusive 20% discount that you get on all Organifi products. When you go to Organifi.com slash over it, that's O R G A nifi.com slash over it. Get 20% off your two glow products plus a free water bottle. So cool. I love collagen. It's one of my favorite supplements. It's a must for me every day. And I love that Organifi has this great collagen supplement with all these other superfoods in it too. Just they, they really know their stuff. So again, organifi.com slash over it. All right, and now on to my conversation with Stephen Kessler. Stephen, welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you here. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. So I, I told you before we started recording that I came across your book, The Five Personality Patterns, about probably two and a half, three years ago. And I remember reading it and just reading the intro when you were explaining what personality patterns were. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is so simple yet so brilliant and makes so much sense. And I've used it in my work. I've used it with clients. I've talked about different personality patterns on the show. So I know that our listeners are going to be really thrilled that you're here as well because they know your work and to actually be able to talk to you about it is just such a treat. So I'd love to start with you defining what a personality pattern is and how you came about uh-huh. really pointing to what they are. Yeah, um, I did not uh, figure out this map. This <laughs> map has actually been around since about since the 1930s. Mm. Uh, it was started by Wilhelm Reich and then gradually refined by students and um, and followers of his. Um, but it was kind of hiding in the um, in the backwaters of psychotherapy and um, and psychic healing. Mm. Um, so it has not really been known in the general psychology or self help uh, crowds. And 
And I was actually a huge Enneagram fan and student for 20 years mm. before I discovered the character structure map. And as I began to learn this way of understanding people, I began to realize, as you were pointing out, this is simpler than the Enneagram yes. and it's more true to life. And it just actually explains things much more clearly. So it's been a real treat for me. Mm, it really does. Well, I love that you you took something that was sort of hidden and not really mainstream and not really explained in the beautiful way that you do and, and made it more accessible for all of us. So how would, how would you define a personality pattern? What are they? Yeah, it's different than we're used, usually used, used to thinking about these things. For people who have studied the Myers-Briggs type indicator or the Enneagram, those are typologies. They say you are a so-and-so type and you are stuck there. That is your type. Can't change it. Mm. And, you know, maybe you can move more to the light side instead of the dark side, but that's your type, period. This is quite different. These patterns are not who you are. They are what you do mm. in order to try to feel safer. Mm-hmm. Who you are is your presence, your essence in, in spiritual terminology, your, your true self. These patterns are, are based on the safety strategies that you adopted as a young child. And typically, we all try out all five of these safety strategies as a kid. Mm -hmm. But certain ones will work for us and other ones won't based on the situation we find ourselves in and on our own skills and talents. So as a kid, we figure out which ones work best for us, and then we keep doing them. And they get conditioned into our body to the point where whenever we start to get upset, we go into one of our safety strategies. And that process of automatically going into that safety strategy is what creates the pattern long-term. It, it creates a, a self-reinforcing loop mm -hmm. inside the person. It's like as a child, we realize this pattern, and don't worry, everybody, we'll get to what the patterns are in a moment. But as a mm -hmm. child, we realize, oh, wait, this pattern works for me in some way. I'm getting some kind of need met. I, I'm not feeling safe. Doing this pattern makes me feel more safe. And so it almost becomes a habit. It just becomes, in air quotes, who we yeah. think we are. But it, it's not. It actually disconnects us from our true essence. It's just, uh, would it be fair to say it's kind of like a survival strategy that gets certain needs yeah. met? Oh. I actually used the term survival strategy in the book. The one thing I would change now if I were rewriting the book is to change that label to safety strategy. Oh, I love that because that's what we're really after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the, you know, now that we have print on demand... I've been able to actually make that change so that um, people who buy the book um, now, many, many of those people will actually get a book that says safety strategies rather than survival strategies. Yeah. And th this makes so much sense because the way that the personality patterns are outlined and how you go through the book is basically there's certain needs we have at different stages mm -hmm. in childhood. And when those needs aren't met in appropriate ways, we develop these safety strategies that eventually become these personality patterns. So mm -hmm. let's take a little tour through the five, if that's okay. And then we can sure. circle back and ask more broad questions. But I think it'll really help our listeners to know what some of these are, know when they developed so they can start to self-identify and go, oh my gosh, that's me. No wonder I dissociate when faced with confrontation. Yeah. No wonder I can't make a decision. No wonder I just hold everything inside. So the first pattern you talk about is the leaving pattern. Can you talk uh -huh. about what age this forms and the needs that aren't met that really? Um, yeah. 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 And it's important to remember that, um, first of all, a person does more than one pattern. Typically, a person does two patterns. Um. And they'll they'll do the first one when they first get upset, and then there'll be some threshold that they cross, and they'll switch into their second pattern, their mm. their backup pattern. Uh, and sometimes that can be quite a big change in behavior, mm. mm -hmm. depending on you know 
what was their primary pattern and what's their backup. Um, and secondly, that each of these patterns is uh, kind of an entrenched form of one of these five basic safety strategies. So for the leaving pattern, the safety strategy that underlies it is simply leaving. Mm -hmm. It is. It could be physically leaving the situation, but of course, if you're one year old or two years old, you can't really do that so much. But what you can do is leave your body. Mm. You can take your attention, your awareness, and your life energy out of your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that has certain effects on the person's body and on their awareness and on their development that um, are what develop into the leaving pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you want to do this? Do you want to like name all five yeah, first yeah. and go deeper in each one or? Let's go deep in each one. So the leaving pattern, um, you talk about, talk about the ages that this pattern generally develops in because it's very early in life. Yeah, uh, there is a developmental order to this. And again, that's not a hard and fast one-to-one -one correspondence, but the leaving pattern uh, corresponds to the very first stage of development, which is earlier than classical psychology recognizes, uh, because this is about actually uh, awareness, a person's awareness or spirit, if you want to talk in those terms, coming into the physical body and claiming the physical body and claiming the physical uh, plane, the, the level of time and space. So this is the, the stage of embodiment. Mm -hmm. And if a person can do this, they can begin to develop a felt sense of their own core, which gives them a sense of, oh, here is where I am. And here's where I can come back to if I get upset or, you know, thrown off center somehow. But if a person is not able to complete the embodying process, they don't develop a felt sense of their own core, and then they don't have this reference point to come back to. Mm. So it's easy to get disoriented. It's even possible if you're hit with a big energy for your sense of self to fragment, to break up into smaller pieces. And then you're stuck kind of floating in the void not knowing how to reassemble yourself. Mm. And you, you talk about how, you know, this is, this can often happen in the womb or in the first month of life that like exactly. the incoming soul is, is not able to orient itself to the physical world and really settle into the body and feel safe and feel like they're here to stay. And it's almost like the physical world becomes a shock to the incoming spirit, right? Yeah. And the physical world doesn't feel safe mm. or warm or welcoming because it probably wasn't that way or didn't feel that way to the person, or they wouldn't have developed this safety strategy. If the, the world does feel safe and warm and welcoming to the incoming spirit, it's much easier for them to settle into the physical body and claim it. But if in the womb, things are not okay, and this might be that there's something going on personally with the mother or the father, or the family, but it might also be bigger than that. I mean, say this particular mother is pregnant during the Second World War, living mm. in London mm. during the time of the Blitz, when every night, you know, the German planes are coming over and dropping bombs on you. Mm -hmm. The world really isn't safe. Yeah, yeah, literally. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it really isn't safe. And mom's body will be terrified through no fault of her own. And the incoming spirit feels that and, you know, comes in and then bounces out, mm -hmm. tries to go back to the spirit realm, which seems a lot safer. Yeah, a lot, a lot safer. Yeah. And so what are some characteristics of people that have this pattern? Because we're talking about something that can happen in the womb or very early, you know, like I said, that right. first month or so. But this can, this pattern, you can still have this and be 65. Right. Yeah, so you develop it typically very early on, but then because these get set into our bodies, into our muscles and the contractions of our muscles, and into the flow of our life energy through our body, 
it becomes and even shapes our personality. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, you start to feel like, well, that's who I am. And for most people, people who don't do real serious inner work, yeah, at 65 or 80, they'll mm -hmm. still be caught in those patterns. Yeah. So for a person mm -hmm. with leaving pattern mm -hmm. or a person who does the leaving pattern, maybe a more elegant way to say it, um, the effects on the body will be that the life energy is not firmly rooted in the body. So the body doesn't feel really nourished by the life energy flowing through it. And the body will also have, often have a kind of disjointed or awkward feel to it. There's often a slight tilt to the side of the head. Sometimes there's a twist in the spine, as if the person is like trying to get away mm. from the physical world. And getting away becomes the internal way of trying to protect yourself. Yeah. So the, the habit energetically is to leave. And the thinking, the, the regular habitual thinking in the mind is, I've got to get away. Mm. I've got to get away from whatever danger. And, the, and attention becomes very focused on where is there danger in this environment and how can I avoid it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, you talk so, about the default emotion and this one is fear. The default emotion is fear. And this is a person who's not used to fighting and certainly not used to winning in a conflict. So they want to avoid conflicts at all costs and basically get away from whatever is um, scary. And when we say get away or leave, we mean physically, but also by dissociating, yes? Yeah, physically, mm -hmm. but also energetically. Mm -hmm. Also taking your attention away. So yeah, in psychology, that would be called dissociation. Mm. And with every one of these patterns, we're talking about some of the, for lack of a better word, costs, you know, living in fear, oh, sure. wanting to get away from others, being in that kind of dissociation, not being great with conflict. But every one of these patterns has gifts as well. Exactly. Because if you practice this safety strategy enough, first of all, you had certain talents in order to be able to pull it off in the first place. And then when you practice it over and over again every day of your life, you really develop those talents into skills. And one of the skills that goes with the leaving pattern is the person is very attuned to the energetic world as different from the physical world and therefore to also to the psychic mm. uh, channel, like what's going on on the psychic channel. A person who does this pattern often um, is very used to communicating without having to use a lot of words. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they like have, you those might have a conversation mm -hmm. between two people who do this pattern, and the conversation goes something like this one of them says, Hey, remember that time we send a picture? Wasn't that great? Send a feeling. Mm. Right? Now, if you weren't on the psychic channel to get the picture and the feeling, you don't know what they said. Right. But if you got the picture and the feeling, you know exactly what they said. Right. Yeah. 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 And so that that connection, that safety with the spiritual world that's been a safety strategy is, is beautiful in the way that it gives you that strong psychic connection awareness of energy. And after we go through all the patterns, I'd love to come back around and talk about how we would you say heal them or move out of them? How would you resolve them? What would be the word that you use? Yeah, the the idea is, first of all, to learn the whole maps, all of the different patterns, uh, and identify which ones that you automatically go into, and then begin doing inner practices to help you not go into patterns so easily and get out of pattern more quickly when you do go into it. Because mm. the real goal is to be present, to not be in any of your patterns, but to be present in the moment, in the here and now, that's where you're gonna make better decisions from and live a happier life from. Oh, the old be present, so much that's easier right. said than done. <laughs> it's easier said than done. And one of the problems with most of the teaching about being present is they keep saying, well, you know, just bring your attention back to the present, but they don't really tell you how or what's in the way. Right. 
this map of personality shows you what's in the way. Yes. And how to undo that, how to um, it's sort of like noticing that you're you're no longer at home and then going back home. Right. Right. Well, it's hard to bring your awareness to the present if you don't feel safe there. It's like these patterns give you a way to feel safe because you don't feel safe in the present. But once you learn how to feel more safe in the present, then you can bring your awareness back. So yeah, this is all, this is all making so much sense. So before we go into moving out of the leaving pattern, let's do the the whole map. So the next one is the, the merging and the compensated merging pattern. Yeah. The merging pattern. So this takes place. I mean, typically this gets set into a person or a person adopts this pattern a little bit later in life. So this would be uh, maybe from the time of birth uh, through the nursing stage. Mm-hmm. So first year and a half, maybe two years. Whereas like you said, leaving pattern could be part of the time in the womb to just after birth, maybe the first six months. And whereas with leaving pattern, the, your job is to embody, to come into the body and claim it here in this stage uh the infant's job is to take in, to take in food, to take in love, to hold those in the body and to digest them. Mm. It's the nursing stage, right? Yep. Your job is to take in the food and the love. And the thing that uh, goes wrong here is that for whatever reasons, this infant is not able to hold the food, the milk, and the love, and uh, has the feeling of never being able to get full. Mm. So there's a constant sense of distress in the body that gets in the way of digestion, maybe causes the little baby to throw up the milk a lot. But for one reason or another, the person is never able to get to the feeling of feeling full and happy and satisfied. Mm, mm. And so what does that create in terms of behavior and in terms of moving through life? That creates a craving for more and a belief that I have to get it from you. You are the source of my, my safety and you are the source of love and you are the source of everything I need. So what I have to do is make sure I maintain that connection with you and even stay merged with you and be whoever you want me to be and please you and accommodate you and never upset you so that you'll give me what I need. Mm. So could this one lead to codependence? Absolutely. This this is the source of codependency. That You can think of codependency as a safety strategy. Yes. The person is like, I'm trying to be who you want me to be so that you will like me and love me and keep me safe and feed me and, you know, take care of me. I'm trying to be safe here. Right. Right. So when we talk about, you know, codependence and being needy, there's truth to that. There were needs that weren't met. We didn't get to take in and that's nourishment and love. And there's just an inner child in there looking to be filled basically. And it's, it's that safety strategy again. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you're one or two years old, you know, nobody says, Oh, that one-year-old is codependent. They're so needy. You know, of course they're needy. They're one year old. (laughs) This is an absolutely necessary thing to do when you're a nursing infant. Right. And is it just about food or it's also about love and nurture at that time? Also about love and nurturance. Yeah. Yeah. And about, again, being able to form a, a felt sense of the core of your own body so that you can then reference that for information about how do I feel? What do I want? Do, what do I like? Mm. A person who gets caught in merging pattern becomes very skillful at sensing and reading the core of other people's bodies to discover what are they feeling and what are they wanting and who do they want me to be, but does not become skillful at reading their own core. Mm. 
and knowing what they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in social situations, being able to sense other people and know how they're feeling and what they need is a tremendously good skill to have. Yeah, it's a gift. It's very helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the prob there's only a problem when you've got that skill, but you don't have the skill of actually referencing yourself. Right. Because first of all, your job is to be yourself and and figure out like, well, so what do I feel and what do I want? So people with this pattern, I imagine they're going to fear abandonment, rejection, right. deprivation, not having enough, and they're going to do whatever they need to do to avoid those things. Right. And you talk about too, there's the merging and then there's a compensated merging pattern. Right. Can you explain that one? Yeah. This gets a little more complicated. The idea basically is that you can, you can make a dividing line in the formation of these five patterns. Uh, the dividing line between this second one, the merging pattern, and the third one, the enduring pattern. And the dividing line is at about two years old for the, the baby. 18, 24 months. That's the period when will and strength begin to come online in the child. Mm. And that's a natural organic process. It's supposed to happen that way. And when will and strength come online, uh, things change for that child. And for the first time, they start to want what they want because they want it. It's like, I want this. It's not just want. Mm. One way to think about this is if you have a toddler who's maybe 16 months old and, you know, they're up and they're toddling and they're going because they're practicing walking and they're like having a wonderful time discovering that they can move. If, if you look ahead and you say, oh, this isn't good, they're headed toward you know, the stairs going down and they'll fall down the stairs and I don't want that to happen. You can pick them up and turn them and they'll just toddle off in the new direction because they were just going somewhere, but they weren't attached to where. It's not like they didn't have a sense of I was going there. After they get to be about two years old, if you pick them up and turn them, they'll turn back. Mm-hmm because they felt your turning as somehow a challenge to their autonomy and their, their sense that, but I was going in that direction. Huh. Right? Yep. So, so there's this new um, will and strength that comes online around this two-year-old period. And this will and strength is what allows a child for the first time to really develop a strong felt sense of their own core. And that felt sense of their own core is where a person develops a sense of their self. That is really the, um, the root of an interior sense of self. It's not about thoughts and feelings, it's about this energetic um, skill that you develop of feeling your own core. Mm. Now, coming back to your question about compensated merging, what happens is a kid who's just coming up to two years old and is developing or um, adopting the merging pattern also is beginning to develop will and strength and can begin to develop a kind of an approximation of a core. And that's what the compensation layer is. If you think of the merging pattern as um, simply being the, the raw, simple uh, safety strategy that you're know, like, I can't do it, I need you to do it for me. The compensated merging pattern is, the compensation is an extra layer on top of that. And the extra layer includes a, um, a pretend sense of core and pretend uh, will and strength. And then the person's attitude changes from, I'm the little baby and you're the big parent and you, I need you to do it for me. They change positions and they go to, oh, it's, this isn't about I have needs and I need you to fix my needs. 
I will be the big parent and I will fix your needs. Right. Right. So it's a different way of trying to handle the problem. The problem, of course, is they don't yet have a real core. So the person will um, will rely on this approximation of core and go too far. They will overshoot. It's the uh, the typical the cycle is the person starts to feel like I can fix everybody's problem. I will take on all problems and heal all people and be everything to all people. And they mm. go too far. They crash and burn and um, and then revert back to the simple merging pattern. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty complicated yeah. explanation. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, that's okay. I know this one inside and out because this is one of mine. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, 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 yes. totally. Um, but you explained it well. And it's, it's almost, I'm thinking of the parentified child, the child that tries exactly. to get their need met by a child is a good term for it. Yeah. By trying to, you know, take care of the needs of the parent, but they're so ill-equipped to actually do that. And then you end up you know, these, I see this in a lot of helping professionals. They're just like going and going. They get their worth through helping others, saving others, being there for others. That's right. Yeah. I will help you. I will fix you. And I will burn myself out in the process. Yep. Because I'm not really measuring, <laughs> do I have the stuff inside to do it? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, let's move to the third, I guess, three and a half, <laughs> the enduring sure. pattern. Yeah. So in this uh, pattern, this starts around age two, you know, the next couple of years. Um, and because of this new will and strength and this new sense of self that the, the kid develops, they also develop a sense of autonomy. And you can, you know, if you try to over control the child, they don't like it. They want to do it their way. Yeah. This this is the terrible twos. Right? <laughs> when yeah. you say, well, would you want to do this? And they go, no. And you say, well, how about that? And they go, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about number three? And they go, no. And they're not even listening to what you're suggesting, right, not even no. evaluating that. They just take so much delight in being able to say no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, but this is, this is not a kid who had an optimal experience in that. Because, you know, it would be great if when the kid gets into saying no, if not, mom and dad can tolerate that. The kid is psychologically separating from mm -hmm. mom, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. That's a necessary stage. And the kid is showing, well, I'm different from you. If mom and dad can tolerate the child being different, then everybody's okay. Mm. I, I remember um, my, uh, my brother's wife was dealing with her son in this period, and uh, she wanted him to drink either milk or orange juice. <laughs> and she realized that um, if she presented, you know, if she said, do you want milk? He would say no. If she said, do you want orange juice? He would say no. So she would say, okay, which one do you want, milk or orange juice? And then he would pick one and he would be satisfied that he had picked it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. since she was okay with either one, she could let him pick whichever one he wants. Right. So he got to express, he had some autonomy, but he wasn't exactly. like a wild child. Right. This is about self-expression and self-action. Mm -hmm. The kid discovering I can take action in the world and actually do something, which is a great thing to discover. It only becomes a problem if mom or dad or whoever is taking care of the kid cannot tolerate the child being different. Right. And insists, no, you don't get to do it your way. You have to do it my way. So then there's a contest of wills, right? There's a fight. Mm. Now, the fight can go two different ways. The kid can win all of them. That becomes aggressive pattern. We'll go there later. 
But for enduring pattern, this is the kid who loses most of the fights. Right. Has that super strict authoritarian parent while, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Right. The yeah. parent is authoritarian, mm -hmm. rigid, just cannot tolerate letting this kid win or even have their own choice at all. I, I remember a, a woman who told me that even at 15 years old, her mother would lay out on the bed every morning the clothing she wanted her daughter to wear to school. Wow. Now, you can imagine the daughter's reaction to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, she, and if she didn't put on what her mom wanted, mom would have a fit. She would melt down. She would be a big drama. Oh, wow. And the daughter learned, okay, I'll put on what you want, and then I'll put my real, the clothes I want in my backpack, <laughs> and as soon as I'm away from home, I will change. Yeah. <laughs> So what the kid learns to do in distress is to pretend that they are complying mm. while internally resisting. Mm. Mm. They learn to hunker down and endure, but they're not really okay with what's going on. Right. And you talk about energetically and then in the physical body, it's like the energy is just moving down and in. Right. Like it's not being expressed. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if we ask the question, how do you stop yourself from overtly resisting, from fighting? How do you stop yourself from saying or doing something which is a, a fight with the parent that you've already realized will, will beat you every time? The only way to do that is to pull all your energy in and send it down into the lower part of your body and even into the ground beneath you. Mm. So yeah. your energy goes down into the ground and you get very deeply grounded, but you also get stuck down there. Yeah. 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 So this one, it's, it's kind of like the people that hold it all they're, they're And I, we're going to talk right. about the gifts in a second. They're great space holders. <laughs> they can hold a lot of space, but right. there's sometimes resentment and guilt and because they're, they're just holding so much. And I imagine after a while, kind of feel like a doormat. Uh, yeah. And they, you know, they are appearing to comply, but inside they're pretty pissed off, pissed off. and they don't like it. They won't fight back right. until it reaches a certain level. You know, it's the kind of person who will endure and endure and endure and endure and endure until one day they hit some threshold and then they are done mm. and the, the relationship is over. They are not connecting with you anymore. And sometimes they actually go into a, an anger, a rage, which is very foreign to them. They're not used to expressing anger. Mm -hmm. Anger is the energy of disagreeing, right? Mm -hmm. Or pushing mm -hmm. back. They're not used to that. They're not skillful at it. So when this big anger suddenly blows up in them, it scares the hell out of them. Yep. And then they pull in again. Yep. Yep. I had a client, his, his wife had this pattern and yep. he, he came to me because out of, out of quote unquote nowhere, she wanted a divorce <laughs> and she had just endured and endured. And again, appeared to be fine feelings mm -hmm. inside, not expressed and appeared to be compliant. But then one day she just blew and was like, I want a divorce. They didn't end up getting a divorce. That just was all the emotion that was held up inside of her just kind of came out. But he said yep. it felt like it came out of nowhere because he had no idea she was holding all that. Because she had not actually said no on the outside before. Right. She'd been saying no inside. Right. And, you know, building up 180,000 no's. Mm -hmm. And also with a person who does this, they, they do develop a, a habit of when you ask them a question, their, their first response typically is no, but it doesn't mean no the same way that another person's no would. It doesn't mean that they've taken it in and thought about it and this is their real answer. It just means I don't want you messing with me. I need to go away and think about it because mm. this is a kid who was messed with by their parents, who was invaded and over-controlled. Yep. And so what they want is space. Right. You know, I right. need to go out in the backyard by myself for an hour. Don't talk to me. Right. Right. 
right? So they need, sometimes they isolate as a way to process things and, and deal with things because they're, they're not used to being, being able to have their own will in so many ways. Exactly. And if you have the habit of pulling your energy into your body, then your life energy is not filling your bubble. You can think of a human being as having a personal space or a bubble, which is which extends out from their body about a yard in all directions. So three, four feet, something like that. And ideally, your bubble should be full of your life energy and nobody else's. Right. But if you pull the edge of your bubble into your skin line or even inside your skin line, other people on the unconscious level, don't notice that you actually even have a space around you. And they sort of take the attitude of, oh, you're not using that space. I'll just fill it with my energy. Mm. Mm. So they invade you in a way you sort of invite it, but you get into this dance where you feel invaded and they don't even know they did something wrong. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you even talk about how the physical body type of people with this pattern can often be like a little stocky or even heavier set because they're right. holding so much. Right. The way that the energy flows through a person's body and the way where they put their energy and their attention actually has an effect on how the body grows. Hmm. Now, again, it's not a direct one-to-one -one correspondence, but there is a tendency for a person who does leaving pattern, the tendency is for the the body to be more slender, even thin and wiry, not muscular, not uh, strong. Think of ballet dancer. Mm. For a person who does merging pattern, the body tends to be more sort of round and, and puffy like a baby. Mm. For a person who does enduring pattern, the, um, the lower body, especially hips, thighs, calves often are much heavier and sort of denser than you would think of in a sort of more uh, balanced body. And they often they're very muscular and have a lot of physical strength. But there's a there's a sort of packed in feeling in the physical body. Mm, that makes so much sense because of all the way the energy is moving, that it just yeah. kind of packs in. Oh, well, and let's talk about yeah, when the energy. Where more of your life energy goes yeah. makes that part grow bigger. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. And I've, I've worked with a couple enduring people that have this pattern. And when they've learned to um, speak up for themselves, express themselves, really mm -hmm. only do things that they want to do, not hold so much in the weight just miraculously falls off and their body changes because that energy just frees up. So it's, it's incredible how these work. Let's, um, let's talk about the aggressive pattern because yeah. this is, this is one that seems really scary, but it actually makes so much sense when you understand it. Yeah. Well, the, the defense strategy, the safety strategy is to be scary to other people. And to intimidate them into compliance. So here, if you think about it energetically, whereas with the enduring pattern, the strategy is to pull your energy in, make it as small and compact as possible, send it down in your body, even into the ground below you. Here with the aggressive pattern, first of all, you have to have a strong flow of life energy in the first place just to pull this off. But then the idea is to bring up as big of a charge of energy as possible into your upper body and then throw it out at other people and the energy hitting them has an effect on them they typically don't like it they feel you know hit or attacked and the idea is to be big and intimidating and um coerce people into doing what you want them to do mm. That like try to make safety by being in control of the whole situation and uh, dominating other people. Yeah, and this is one of my husbands, so I know this one well as well. Between the two of us, we have pretty much all the patterns covered except for except for one. Um, mm -hmm. But this one, tell, talk about the parental style of this one that t starts to create this pattern. 
Yeah, there are a lot of different um, situations that can cause this. But as we talked about before, when the, uh, you know, age two, when will and strength come online and the person starts to develop a sense of core, both enduring pattern and aggressive pattern have a, a felt sense of core. Um, then there's a, a tendency to have conflict with the parents right. and the kids who lose all the fights tend to go into enduring pattern and the kids who win all the fights tend to go into aggressive pattern because what they're learning is, hey, this works. Mm. If I just bring up a big energy and throw it at mom or dad, they back down and I get what I want. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this makes sense because my I would say uh, Steph, my husband, is enduring and aggressive. And I would say with parents enduring, but then when he got older, he learned if I'm just bigger, that's how I keep myself safe. So, you know, he was a fighter. He was yeah. super aggressive. Like, it's like, well, that's how I'm going to get my needs met. Is it is it um, common for the enduring and the aggressive to kind of people to bounce between the two like that? You know, I've seen all different combinations. Mm. Um, I have not seen any studies of sort of general population anywhere that really give us percentages of how many people in the group do one pattern and how many do another and what combinations are more yeah, common. That makes sense. I, I don't have good data on that. I wish we did. Well, it'll just be my anecdotal <laughs> data then um, with with this pattern and observing it. I have a, a friend that's like this well. And one thing I notice about this pattern, and I'm wondering if, if you support this, is it's sort of like with aggressive pattern, they don't count on other people. It's like if I have a need, I'm right. going to get it myself. Exactly. And this takes us back to your previous question about the situation with the parents, because the the um, the crisis situation that tends to create this pattern is one where the kid is in some kind of distress. Um, you know, the, all of these first four have a, a distress situation. You know, there's there's a crisis, usually one that keeps happening over and over and again, over again. But for aggressive pattern, the way it works is the kid feels like they're they're in you know life threatening distress, but no one is there to help them. Uh. And what they do is reach deep down inside and pull up their own strength and their own will, and they say, "I will will myself through this." Uh. And then their conclusion is, um, "No one is there for me." Mm. No one will help me. No one can help me. I have to do it all myself. Mm. And by the way, screw them all anyway. <laughs> right. 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 So very big energy, usually with this one, fear of being used or betrayed. And so I can and, and I will. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so needing another person or loving another person becomes scary in yeah. itself. Because if I need you, then I'm vulnerable and I'm open to attack and I, I can't use my usual safety strategy here. Uh, uh, so I imagine that relationships and intimacy is tough for this pattern because they want to push people away. It's, it is, but it's also tough for all the patterns That's because true. <laughs> you can't really be intimate from a pattern. Yeah. You can be intimate from your real self, from your presence, right. but not from a pattern that you're doing. So what would be the gifts of the aggressive pattern? Big energy, strong will, ability to get stuff done, even in chaos or conflict or difficulty. The people who want to be in charge usually run aggressive pattern. Mm. The people who are the CEOs of uh, corporations or the generals of armies the people who want to be in charge, you say like, okay, we're going to do this and I am going to lead it. Yeah. You have to have aggressive pattern to take on that role almost. Hmm. Mm. <clears throat> uh, and we'll get to how to move out of these after we go through all five. So let's yeah. go through the last one, which is yeah. one of mine as well. The rigid pattern. Can you rigid describe pattern. this one? Yeah. So this, this is the fifth one. Uh, the last 
one to form, typically, if you think of them in developmental order. And unlike the first four, this one doesn't have uh, so much of a sort of life or death crisis. This is more something that the parents tend to teach the child as like, this is the right way to be. And the teaching is that you should not pay attention to your heart or the core of your body or your feelings or your desires. What you should pay attention to is the rules, mm. the, the correct way to do things, the forms and the structures. The ways to fit in in the world. Right. So we've named here three different ways of referencing. Referencing your own core, referencing other people's core to find out what's going on with them, or this third one, which is referencing the rules. Mm -hmm. Now, this gives you the ability to follow the rules and to be very good at being correct and not incorrect and, you know, stand up straight, <laughs> uh, wear clean clothes, comb your hair, brush your teeth, say please and thank you and succeed, perform according to the rules laid out by society, because you be, you start to believe I am my performance. Yeah. I'm not my heart. I'm not my feelings. I'm not my desires. I'm not my dreams. I'm my performance. So I think Mitt Romney for this, mm. right? Yeah. Perfect. Hair. Tremendously <laughs> successful yeah. in the financial world, you know, made, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And then he ran for president and he would go and talk to the voters and he would try to connect with them. And the voters couldn't quite find his heart. And apparently enough people decided I'm not going to vote for him that he didn't win the election. Right. Right. Even though on paper, he looked great. Oh, yeah. 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 So the way that a person does this, we've talked about, you know, pulling your energy in, bringing or and sending it down or bringing it up and sending it out. Here, what you do is you constrict the flow of energy through your torso. Uh, it's like you make the stream of energy smaller so that there's less of a flow and it begins to flow faster. Mm. So this does two things. One is it's sort of like if you're listening to the stereo and you don't like the music that's playing, you can just turn the volume knob down and you won't hear the music as loudly. Right. So this constricting of the flow of your life energy makes you less aware of your own inner experience. And it also speeds things up inside. So then there's a tendency to be to go faster and to do things and to always keep busy. And by the way, also speed kills feelings. So it helps you not feel. Yep. <laughs> yep. This was, I mean, I, I don't act in this pattern too much anymore, but man, it was a big one, you know, and just yeah. busy, busy, busy. Didn't really even know what was going on because I was so busy and I was so in my head and, and definitely mm -hmm. that energy constricted. And you mm -hmm. also talk about in this pattern of really being connected, disconnected from our intuition and our own answers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and going outside right. of ourselves for decisions. Because paying attention to the rules. Right, right. So and also in your combination, compensated merging pattern and rigid pattern, both of those patterns are very focused on doing what's expected. Yep. Being who they want me to be, being who I should be. So that's the particular combination which makes you a really good girl. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't necessarily make you a happy good girl. Right. Because your own happiness isn't even showing up on the screen. It's like, right. but I don't even think about that. Right. No, <laughs> I, I had one of those lives that looked perfect from the outside, but exactly. inside I was on antidepressants. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about in this pattern, um, you know, the gifts, order, form, high achiever, all that kind of stuff, but really disconnected yep. from our spiritual life too, because we're so focused on yep. rules and looking good and all those things. So Oh, these are, and there's so much more. I mean, we just skimmed the surface. There's so much more. And that's why the book is so helpful because you go into like the, the conflict style of each person, the, the healing modalities, the relationships mm -hmm. we tend to get into. So if you're liking this, I'll, I'll link the book in the show notes. Um, do you have how to, how to connect with a person or how to communicate? Yes. 
Yes. With a person who's caught in a certain pattern. And this is tremendously helpful to people who like have a husband or wife or friend or child or, you know, family member who does X, Y, Z pattern. It, you can read through the like how to communicate with them and you'll be astounded to learn, oh, wow, the things I automatically do completely don't work for that person. Nope, not at all. No wonder they won't listen to me. No, and you can imagine in a marriage with a compensated merging rigid and an enduring aggressive, the book was very helpful oh. because we didn't communicate in the same way. We didn't navigate conflict in the same way. We didn't deal with our emotions in the same way. And understanding these patterns, even though by the time we got met and got married, we weren't as much in these safety strategies, but in times when our inner child was triggered, which tends to happen in marriage and conflict, you sometimes bet. these patterns would come up very often. They would come up. So it's been a really yeah. useful tool. Um, do you so have, what did you do? Did the two of you read the book together? Yes. Yes. We read the book because both of us are in this field and we found it so helpful with our clients. So we read yeah. it for ourselves and for our clients. Cause like you said earlier, I think the Enneagram is useful, but it's confusing and it's hard to exactly pinpoint someone. Yeah. But with these just knowing a little bit about someone's childhood, what happened and just how they show up, even physically how they move through the world, it was really easy and, and it was useful to learn how to work with clients in a different Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It gives you a deeper kind of understanding and compassion yes. for where the other person gets struck and what stuck and what their struggles are. And it also gives you a lot of help in um, understanding how to approach them, how to talk with them, how, how to communicate with them so that what you intend for them to receive actually gets received. Yeah. It's, it's like we tend to give and communicate in the way that we need to be given to and communicated to exactly. instead of really understanding the other. Do you have time, Stephen, to quickly go through how we um, move out of these patterns, how we really... Oh, sure. Yeah, great. Sure. So that involves a couple of things. One is clearing out of the body the old traumas, which are actually fueling the yes. pattern. Because if, if something happens in the present moment that triggers an old trauma, then all that energy comes up to the surface. And, you know, it's like you have a bonfire in your body and you need to do some safety strategy to try to feel safe again. But if you can clear that old trauma out of your body, there isn't so much fuel. If you think of it in forest fire terms, you're clearing out the underbrush mm. to the point where, you know, stuff can happen in real life. And it does. It won't stop. But when it happens, all you have to deal with is the current problem. Mm. It's not this problem. And like this problem, maybe, maybe your cat dies right? So if you've cleared out all the old traumas about losses, then when this cat dies, you all you have to do is deal with this and grieve this. But if you haven't cleared out the old traumas, you've got, you know, my cat present moment has died. But when I was six years old, my guppy died. And then when I was seven, the yeah. dog ran away. And when I was eight, we had to move to a different city and I lost my best friend. And then when I was 10, my grandmother died. And then you see, you got this whole oh, pile of problems yeah. Yeah. that jump on your head. Yeah. So first thing is clearing out of the body, the old traumas. Second is there are energetic skills that everybody needs to learn in order to be a healthy functioning adult, except our culture doesn't know about the skills and doesn't teach them to us. Right. <laughs> right. We learn algebra and calculus, but not how to process our feelings or release anger right. or connect to spirit or any of those things. And often not how to simply feel your own core and reference mm. your own core to get the raw data on how do I feel? What do I want? Mm. What do I not want? If you don't have that data, you can't navigate through the world. No, you're constantly bouncing off of stuff, trying to sort right. it out. Yeah. How to yeah. ground down deep into the earth so that you feel safer, so you feel supported, mm. so that you can bring up your own energy from the earth into your body, don't have to take it from somebody else. Mm. 
Yep, makes sense. How to establish an energetic edge around yourself, a boundary. This is uh, related to, but different from the psychological boundaries that we're more familiar with. Psychology has gotten pretty good at understanding psychological boundaries, being able to say no, uh, understand what's yours and what's not. That's great. But on the energy level, there's a similar process. It's like if you took high school biology class, you learned about cells and you learned that each cell has a cell membrane around it. And the cell membrane does two things. It kind of holds all the cell material in. And it also regulates what comes into the cell and what goes out of the cell. If you have a strong enough energetic edge boundary around yourself, you have a filter that keeps other people's thoughts and feelings and junk from floating into your space and confusing you. But if you don't have a strong edge, then you feel you constantly feel overwhelmed mm. by other people's stuff floating into your space. Right. And I think that's in a way we've uh, legitimized that in uh, regular talk psychology by saying the person is a highly sensitive person, mm. which leads the person to think that, first of all, they're special. They have something that no one else has. And secondly, that this is a way they should stay. And I would say, no, it's a lack of a particular skill. Huh. Now, the sensitivity is great, but we all have that sensitivity. Right. What we want to have is a membrane at the edge of our own uh, bubble. And we communicate with the membrane and we give it instructions and we say, okay, I want you to let in only what's good for me. Mm. Mm, that's so powerful and so important because Very. I think, yeah, especially as if you were, you know, for lack of a better word, a highly sensitive kid growing up, really didn't know energetic boundaries, all that kind of stuff. It's right. it's one of the ways you try to stay safe is by feeling everything. <laughs> and we're not supposed to feel everything in the world. It's, it's really being attuned to our needs and our feelings, not feeling the feelings right. of everyone around us. So that's an important point. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, and if you don't have a filtering mechanism around you, a boundary, then you have to use physical distance to try to turn down the volume of other people's stuff coming in. Right. Which is partly why a person develops the leaving pattern. Uh, it's just like too many radio stations in the neighborhood. I got to get away. Just check out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it is possible to not live in these survival strategies. When we do the inner work, we can be aware of them. We can know that sometimes they mm -hmm. may come up in times of stress or when a need is not being met. But once we have skills, we can be aware of it and we can move out of having these patterns really, for lack of a better term, run us. We're more aware of them. Exactly. Run us because they do run our lives. Yeah. Yeah. For most people, if you really take a hard look at their patterns in their lives, their patterns are making most of the decisions in their lives, including the big ones about what job do I want, who do I marry, where do I live, and all that yeah, stuff. Not minor decisions. At all. Yeah, not minor decisions. <laughs> That's why this work is so great. And and it's not a one size fits all approach. You really see, okay, what safety strategy did I develop? And then you can customize mm -hmm. your communication, your healing, the things that really work for you. Like for example, I'm a, my rigid pattern, it was really important for me, me in particular, to go into spiritual work, to start connecting to mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. outside of me. Whereas the leaving pattern, it's about maybe body getting in the body, not spending so much time in the spiritual exactly. world and actually coming in. They so, need to go the other direction. They're already yeah. familiar with the spirit world. They need to come into the physical world. Yeah. And that's why the personality patterns, one of the many reasons they're so helpful because Oftentimes I find personal development has too much of a one size fits all approach and yeah, that leaves a yeah. lot of people thinking they're getting it wrong because it's not working for them, but it's not working for them for a reason. So this just really gives a more prescriptive way of going about our healing. I just, I just love it. And you have such a great way of explaining it. Um, Steven, do you still do one-on-one -on -one work? Um, can, is there a way people can work with you? I, I do. There are also a couple of video courses available on the website for the book, the, the five personality patterns.com. People can take those video courses. There's one that's 
basically the material in the book. Great. It's not everything that's in the book because the book is almost 400 pages. Yeah, it's a thick book. <laughs> yeah, that one's called Understanding Yourself and Understanding Others. And then there's a second uh, video course. These are recorded things you can you can take and, you know, uh, watch the videos and learn it whenever is convenient for you. The second one is called How to Create a Self. And it takes you through learning the um, the energy skills mm. that are needed. Mm, that's so good. So people can find those at the five personality patterns.com. Right. Okay, great. Exactly. And last question for you, how has working with the personality patterns, understanding your own and really transforming them so they don't run your life? How has that shifted your life? My goodness. Hard to track all the ways. <laughs> um, first of all, it has shifted my sense of identity, my sense of who I am, away from uh, the patterned behaviors and patterned thoughts and feelings and more towards presence. Mm. It's made it easier for me to simply be present. Mm. It's helped me understand what what is really uh, how my life was being run by old traumas mm. and then use some of the uh, energy psychology skills to uh, to clear those traumas out of the body. Mm. It's, it's, you know, the short answer would be it's made me a much happier person. Oh, I love that. I love and that. And I'm sure much happier to be around too. Well, I, I can say just, just being in your presence makes me feel so safe and so seen. You just hold such oh, a beautiful space and you're able to explain kind of complex things and psychology things in a way that we can really feel. And that's one of your, your gifts. So I just acknowledge you for this work, for the way you do the work, for walking the talk and just giving us access to a system that is so, so helpful. So thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Christine. I really appreciate it. And thank you for doing the work of, you know, doing these podcasts. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, you know, I'm I, sure I learned so it's much. Not easy. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. So everybody, the link is the five personality patterns.com. That's also the name of the book. Don't be intimidated by the book. It's a thick book, but you can read it in chunk and he has graphs and charts and it's, it's really, really helpful. So, um, and the video courses, um, I haven't checked out myself, but I'm going to, and that's another great resource. So thanks again, Stephen. Thank you, Christine. Be well. <laughs>